listening to the Cornerstone Tulsa podcast. Our mission is to cultivate a community shaped by the gospel for the renewal of all things. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can visit our website at cornerstonetulsa.org or find us on social media. And with that, let's hop into this week's teaching. Hey, y'all. Well, like I mentioned at the top, This is the fourth Sunday of Easter, but it's the fifth Sunday of the month. And if you've been with us for some amount of time, you may remember that when we have a month that has five Sundays, we take that fifth Sunday and we pause from preaching to hear stories from our congregation on how the Lord has been at work in our people's lives. And so I mentioned at the beginning, today is also Good Shepherd Sunday. We're gonna have Aubrey and Justin Reiner coming up to share in a second. Y'all may know Aubrey at large because she's the director of Cornerstone Kids. Uh, But they're going to share their story. Yeah, we can clap for kids. Yeah, that's great. I'm here for it. They're going to share their story with us. And as they do, the thing I want to ask y'all to think on, to reflect on and meditate on, is how has the Lord shepherded you through difficult seasons of your life? Maybe that's something that's happening for you right now. Maybe it's something you're looking back on. But how has the Lord met you in the midst of whatever you've walked through to lead you beside still waters or to lead you through the darkness into a place of rest. So with that, Reiners, y'all come on up and we'll hear from you. Well, yes, thank you guys uh, so much for having us. Again, my name is Justin. This is my wife, Aubrey. Uh, we're so excited to be able to, to be up here in front of you all and just to share our story, share uh, some of the things that have gone on in our life over the last few years, just as we've been a part of this community. And so I really hope that the Lord is able to speak to you, whatever, whatever you may be going through right now, whatever season, if you have experienced difficulty and trials in the past, if that is a reality for you right now, I just, my prayer would be that the Lord uh, would speak to you through us. Um, So we're excited to be here. So Justin and I have been married. um, It'll be seven years this summer. And prior to getting married, we felt like adoption might be part of our story in the future. Um, Had no way to know if that would be true or not, but we both had um, exposure to the foster and adoptive world um, in high school, both of us. And so for my family, that looked like being alternate caregivers for um, a foster family that we were really close with. And so that just meant providing support for them. Um, We were able to have their children, their foster children overnight. Um, And for Justin, that meant his family adopting his two sisters when we were in high school. And so we both were very aware early on of the need um, in our states and in the country um, for vulnerable vulnerable children. And so that wasn't foreign to us. Um, obviously, we didn't know what that was going to look like for our future, but we both came into marriage, um, you know, fully understanding that that might be part of our story someday. And so we, about three years into our marriage, were, you know, once again, having the conversation of, what is our family going to look like? What is the next season going to be for us? I am very type A and trying to, you know, map it all out, plan it all out. Um, and so for whatever reason, well, the reason is God, but we both felt really called to become foster parents. And we also knew that that wasn't, that didn't mean adoption. That meant um, trying to actually reunify. But we both felt God putting that on our hearts to become foster parents. Um, and 
We didn't know if that would end in adoption, if that would end with bridging a lot of children back to their families, but we just knew that God had placed it on both of our hearts. And so for the next couple of months, we went through that process. We did a lot of research on what does that even mean and how do we even do that and what does it take? Um, how, you know, do we go through a private agency? Do we go through DHS? And so um, the next couple of months were spent doing a lot of research. We eventually found an agency that we fell in love with and did all of our training. And so then we opened our home. We took a leap of faith. And in June of 2019, we opened our home um, as an official placement. I love that Aubrey talks about God placing this calling on both of our hearts. Uh, when the reality is that for me, it was a lot more kind of like mental. I liked the idea of fostering. I like the idea of providing that support. And if it was just up to me four years later, that would probably still just be an idea, just something that we're talking about. But Aubrey, if you know her, she is the doer. She's the go-getter. As soon as she has a passion um, and something that she has found, she uh, nothing nothing will stop her. And so from the beginning, as we began to have those conversations, uh, that's that's what played out. And so with foster care, obviously because of these situations that the children are in, they're coming into care because something's gone wrong, because something uh, is, has happened in, in the home with their family. And because of that, we are seeing children that have all sorts of uh, traumatic backgrounds, stories that are just heartbreaking and heart-wrenching for us. And so throughout our four years of fostering, we have had some of the highest highs uh, experiences with our children, with all of the kids that have come into our home, uh, while also experiencing incredibly low lows and just very difficult times, uh, helping uh, the, the children to work through those experiences, to work through that trauma. And so some of the stories that we wanted to share with you all today were just about those moments where we saw God absolutely at work within the lives of the children in our home, God at work within um, our own families and our own lives. And so if you wouldn't mind putting that uh, first photo up on the screen. This picture right here is just one that Aubrey and I love uh, that just exemplifies sort of a moment for us that was just this this light bulb. God is here in this moment. And we took a placement, a sibling set of four. Uh, we just really wanted to dive in there. And it was, you know, we went from just us two to a family of six overnight. It was it was wonderful. Uh, but that they were with us for about two months uh, during the summer. And then they were reunited with with their family, with their parents. And so they went back home. And it was a, a few weeks later, and we decided, you know what? that went great. You know, why don't we do it again? And so we took another sibling set of four into our home for our second placement. And again, those, those children, we just loved on um, and, and loved them so much while they were with us. Well, a few weeks into that second placement, we get a, a text from the mother of our first placement. And she's reaching out to Aubrey and saying, you know, hey, I'm taking the kids to the gathering place today. Would you guys like to, to come with us? And so to see that relationship that had been established with uh, that mom of our first placement, that she, um, you know, trusted us enough that even after having cared for her children for a few months, she wanted to maintain contact and wanted to stay um, in relationship with us. And so we went to the gathering place, and all of a sudden, that second placement that we had is getting to meet uh, the children that had just been in our home a few weeks earlier. And so it was this beautiful picture of, you know, no matter what the differences in, in background, the differences in experience and, and their story, that they they had this common ground that they were connecting with each other on. I remember one of the, the older kids saying to um, the, the other sibling set, being like, 
wow, you, you guys are, are foster kids? You know, we, we were fostered, and now we're back home. And so just to see that connection at such a young age was this beautiful, beautiful thing. And that didn't just stop there. Uh, in fact, a few months later during Thanksgiving, uh, we were celebrating Thanksgiving at my family's house and what's normally a celebration with, you know, my family, maybe some other family members from out of town or some close friends, all of a sudden at this table, we're surrounded with not only my family and my siblings and parents, um, you know, some other family members from out of town. There's also the sibling set of four that were currently in our home. We had the previous sibling set of four that were there at the table as well, along with their mother, and then another sibling that had been born in the interim period. So this entire table is just full of uh, life and full of this representation of what it looks like to be the body of Christ, to be God's love and, and reaching out and connecting with each other and not for it to just be this momentary thing, but for it to be a continual uh, relationship that we're, we're building and developing with them. And so this, this last story that I want to share was one that I feel like perfectly shows the miraculousness of God in some of these moments that we've experienced. And so as our second sibling set, our second placement that we had was preparing to go home, they'd been with us for about 13 or 14 months. And because of some, some turmoil, because of some of the relationship that we had with their bio parents, we, we weren't sure what that relationship was going to look like moving forward. And so Aubrey and I, as we packed the children's stuff up, uh, as we loaded them in the car and got ready to, to drop them off at their parents' house, we had, came into it with this realization of this may be the last time that we're, we're seeing these children, that the, these kids that we've loved as if they were our own for the last 13 months, this may be our forever goodbye to them. And that reality was, was daunting for us. And so as we're, we're going through, you know, hugs and saying goodbyes and everything and, and unpacking their stuff and getting ready to, to go back out to the car to drive away, their mom kind of turns to all the kids and says, you know, tell, tell Mr. Justin and Miss Aubrey bye. You know, tell them that you'll, you'll see them soon. Tell them that you'll see them again and you can give them hugs. And so as we got back in the car, we kind of gave each other this like puzzled look like, did you hear her say that? Like I, did, I wasn't mishearing things, right? Like you heard her say that? And so we kind of gave each other a funny look, and we're like, that was strange. Like, there's, you know, there's almost no chance that, that that's what she meant. She was probably just saying it to humor us or saying it to be kind. Well, a few weeks later, uh, this mom has a doctor's appointment, and she, she needs a ride to it. She is reaching out to Aubrey, asking, you know, can you take, take me to my doctor's appointment? You know, I've got the kids with me. Maybe you can watch them while I'm in the appointment. Um, and from there, it's just been this continuous relationship over the last two years that we've maintained with them of getting to celebrate birthdays, getting to uh, have them over for holidays and just for, uh, you know, sleepovers on the weekend and all that sort of fun stuff. And so had you told me in the middle of that placement that this is a, you know, th this placement, these children, once they go back home, you'll never see them again, I would not have been surprised at all. But because of God's grace, because of the work that he was doing, not only in our lives and the lives of our children, but for their parents to see the way in which we loved and cared for them as if they were our own, no longer did they see us as in opposition uh, or, or keeping these children from them. They saw us for what we were doing, which was loving and caring for their children for the time that they were in our home. And so those are just some of the stories that for us, we at times didn't even 
have you know, the faith or didn't even think to pray for these types of things. But we had people, we had family members and friends that were praying greater prayers than we could have even prayed for ourselves. And so we were so thankful that the Lord was shepherding us in that way through our friends and our family for that time. Um, as we said goodbye to those kids, we quickly realized that we were ready for kids in our home that we did not have to say goodbye to, as it was a very um, hard time, and we knew that was the goal, and we were excited that they got to be with their family again, but we're ready um, for that to not happen as frequently. So we decided it was time to start a family of our own, um, and also at the same time, a couple months later, thought we should reopen our home to be get more children in, in our home, which... I don't know why we thought that was a good idea, but that's what we chose to do. So we're trying to have biological children. We're also still fostering. Um, And so in January of 2021, we welcomed two little boys into our home, James and Cade. They um, were one and two. And so it was a wild time. (laughs) They were crazy and ornery and all the things you can imagine. Some of you probably have taught them in classes. Um, And uh, a month later, so February, found out we were pregnant. And we're like, wow, this is really crazy, (laughs) but let's, like, let's keep going. Like, God has been faithful this whole time, Um, so let's, like, see their placement through. Like, let's see what happens. We'll probably reunite them with their family or maybe bridge them to an adoptive home, Uh, maybe adopt ourselves, but um, let's just, like, see what's going to happen with these kids. Like, we've just taken placement. Um, Yes, everything is changing, but also nothing. So we... um, Continued fostering them, and we're so excited that we were pregnant, telling our family, going to all of the firsts of everything. Um, Obviously, we had had children in our home, but it was just a whole new experience for us, um, being pregnant with our own child. And so, um, you know, we were so excited. We're going to everything together, and, you know, the first appointment, we're like, oh, my goodness, look at that little tiny bean that is nothing. Um, And so everything is just going really well. Everything is looking great and perfect. Um... And then we are going to our 31-week scan. Justin ends up, well, he was going to be on time, and for some reason they got me in early, which if you know about healthcare, that was crazy. Um, So I go into just a regular scan um, to find out that things are not looking quite right, and they don't exactly know what that means. Um, And so I'm asking all these questions, trying to, you know, yeah, what does this mean, or what could this mean? Like, tell me the worst, Um, tell me the best, and they... Um, I mean, it's an ultrasound tech that literally can't do that. And so she sends me on to a high-risk doctor. And so um, eventually, within within a week of that appointment, we are both flying to Boston to see a specialist um, because the care here just wasn't, we, we needed more than what Oklahoma could offer. Um, so we, in a matter of, I mean, days, our world is just flipped upside down. And we, DHS is you know, considering moving the boys, and we are like, well, we might be back really soon. We don't want that happening. We want them to have consistency, Um, and we just are met with a lot, a lot of questions, a lot of unknowns, Um, and it was really scary, and we're also in Boston, not in Oklahoma with our family and support system, Um, so it was just a really hard time, and we also didn't even know what to expect, so it was a lot of trying to trust, but also just having so many questions, and so um, we, once we got to Boston, we did a lot of extra scans and tests and things. And I mean, obviously we are believers and we know that we serve a mighty God and that miracles happen. And so we, that's what we're praying for. We're praying for miracles and for scans to shock the doctors. They don't make any sense. Um, but that is the opposite of what keeps happening. We scan after scan, worse news after worse news. 
and we get to the point where we don't even know what to pray or how to pray or the words to tell God, um, or I do have some words for him, but not, I don't want to say them. <laughs> um, and, and we literally had to use, I mean, we used liturgy. We, we were like, okay, these prayers are written. We do not have the words. And so we are going to pray these over ourselves and our child and our family. Um, we knew back home, people were praying over us, hundreds of people, people we don't even know. And so we were relying on the prayers of others to hold us up. Um, but it was just such a whirlwind of everything is fun and great. And now we don't even know what's going to happen to our child. And so um, this, they continued, the scans just continued to get worse. And the doctors, you know, I'm, I'm wanting to know, like, tell me the percent chance that he lives. Like, I just want someone to give me some kind of fact to cling to. Um, and those were never, they couldn't, they didn't know, they had never seen this specific thing, and I wasn't getting any answers that I wanted, <laughs> which didn't help anything. Um, but they kept saying, you know, we will know more when he's born because we can, like, once he's here, then we can do scans on him versus just you. And so that was the hope that we clung to the entire time um, until his delivery to finally get some more answers. And so in, in the entire lead up to that point, like Aubrey said, we had felt so just supported and loved on by our communities through, through prayer, through just support, you know, kind messages and texts and, and all these sorts of things. And there was one liturgy in particular that we found that just talked about, you know, uh, it was, I want to say it was something like the, the prayer for the unknown, when you don't know what's coming next. And that's where we were at. But what we did know even, even though we didn't know specifically what was going to be happening with Theo, we knew that no matter what, that even in the midst of this, that God was good, that our family would continue to praise him, that our family would continue to, to glorify God no matter what, what came our way. And so that morning, October 13th, was the happiest day of our lives. We had the pleasure of meeting our son Theo, and he was just you know, this bright ball of energy, and we were so excited to meet him, and uh, the delivery went perfectly. The doctors and nurses were amazing, and so throughout that entire experience, just, you know, wonderful. And then right after delivery, he is is sent for some uh, tests just to get some more information so that they can kind of figure out exactly what's going on in this situation. And so throughout the rest of the day, we're just anxiously waiting uh, to hear back from the doctors. And so it was in, by the end of that day, it was, you know, a matter of 12, 12 hours, went from the happiest day of our lives to the saddest moment as we get this call from the doctor that there's nothing that can be done. That the severity of the situation was so great that he, he has a matter of days to live. And that just crushed us. We thought to ourselves, like, we've, we've been praying, right? Like, I, I've read stories in the Bible of God healing miraculously, right? Like, we, we know this happens. Why didn't these prayers work? We have people, you know, across the country, across the world, who are lifting up prayers to us. Is God not hearing these prayers? What is going on? And so, we just, in, in so many ways, we felt just crushed and, and devastated and defeated. And so, as we we moved throughout those next few days. Uh, we had family coming into town who were able to visit and see Theo. And as we had that final day with him, uh, we you know, had, had a moment. We were praying over him and just 
reading stories with him and just holding his little hand. And it was in that moment, as we are unhooking him from the machines that are supporting his life, we have the opportunity um, to take him outside of the hospital, take him out onto um, a balcony overlooking the city. And so uh, the sun is setting, and it's, it's the three of us, Aubrey, myself, and Theo, and we're just together in that moment. And it was that moment for us that was the, the saddest, most devastating experience of our lives while simultaneously being the holiest, most spiritual encounter that we had had. And so for us to understand, even in that moment, right, even in the midst of such incredible, overwhelming sorrow, that God is here, that God is in this moment. What? How? How is that possible? And so for us to understand that God was shepherding us through that moment, and even in the lead up to that, with the love and support that we felt from all of our friends and our family, our community, was incredible and overwhelming and was one of the things that helped to get us through such difficult, dark times. Yeah, so then we quickly had to travel back home and just everything was, it just, nothing was making sense. And I'm sure most of you have experienced loss on some level. You think like, how on earth is the world just continuing on? And so we're, you know, through the airport and it just was such an, almost an out-of-body experience to then come back home um, to see people that we hadn't seen for six weeks and so um, our boys at the time were still with family and friends that were helping for the six weeks. And so we had a couple of days just in our home by ourselves, um, which also was just so hard. I remember leaving our house to go to Boston thinking, like, when we returned, we would be bringing our son home. And so to come in and not be doing that was so hard. And past the nursery, that was beautiful. We wouldn't be putting a baby in. It was really hard. I remember us talking about this place, church, our church building, and these people. I'm thinking, it's the place I want to go the most, and it's the place I want to go the least, because I'm really angry at God, but these people are keeping us going. I mean, we walked into our house, and we joke about it now. It was cleaner than I knew either one of us had left it. Um, And I still, I mean, fridge is stocked of food, and there are cards and gifts and I mean, we were so overwhelmed. Pictures of Theo (laughs) that had been taken by the NICU nurses are printed and in our bedroom and all over the house. And um, it was just overwhelming in in the best way to know we are being so seen and cared for, and we didn't know any of that was happening. I don't even know how people got into our home. Um, But it was such a beautiful picture of God's faithfulness, a God that I was both really mad at and also really thankful for. Um, to see the goodness throughout, like, the absolute darkest days of our life. Um, and so we, um, a couple days later, the boys came back home, James and Cade, and um, people were like, are you, are you, like, keeping placement of them? Are you not going to move them? Um, and we had decided that we weren't, that we were going to, we knew we wanted to eventually close our home to fostering and, and didn't want to keep saying goodbye to people. But we also knew we wanted to see these boys through. We had known them now for, I mean, coming up on like a year and loved them. And we're so thankful that that's the choice we made. They were one of the only reasons that that I, that we would get out of bed each morning because we had to parent them. (laughs) They were there and they had to be parented. Um, And in in a blessing, they were young enough to not quite understand everything that was going on, which actually was, um, really good. 
And so they were just ornery one and two year olds, <laughs> maybe two and three by this point. Um, but it was such a joy to wake up and have them each stay. It was one of the things that we just clung to. And so we still didn't know what was going to happen with their case. Um, and with, yeah, we just didn't know. Um, we also didn't know what would happen with our family. We knew we wanted more kids. We um, were really questioning God through that and how we could, how this was where we landed and where we are. And um, we, you know, had been talking for years about building a family. And so, like, where is our family? And so that was really tough. Those days were really hard. Um, but we continued to be, I mean, lifted up by the Lord and by the people around us. And so we continued just to pray for a family, whatever that looked like. At this point, we just didn't even know. Um, and so, and, and kept placement of the boys. And so um, we kind of just like started stumbling through life and doing all the first of, you know, the first holidays without him and everything um, that were really hard. And so um, God was so sweet to um, bring into our lives our daughter, who is now seven months old, very quickly after um, losing our son and by no means as a replacement, but just this sweet redemption um, that he provided us that now is such a joy. Our, I mean, the love of our life is that little girl. <laughs> and um, also um, a month ago, actually exactly a month, um, the boy's case ended up going to adoption. And so we adopted the boys and they know baby Theo and they visit his grave and they know their sister Mabel. Um, and it is just a sweetness that we actually knew them before we even knew Theo. They've been a part of our story the entire time. Um, and so this just beautiful picture of like God knew all of that, and it wasn't a surprise to him that James and Cade and Mabel and Theo are our children. And so um, that doesn't undo all of the hardships of Theo, and even we've even talked now with Mabel as she learns to crawl and pull up and babble. Um, it comes with grief of Theo not doing those things and not seeing those things, and I'm sure when kids are starting kindergarten, you know, it's going to continue to, to still happen. And grief is still very much a constant part of our life, um, but it's intertwined with the greatest joy that God has brought us with these kids in our life and just with um, trusting him with our stories when they really don't make sense. And so um, I think we have one more picture. I kind of like breeze through that just now. But um, so this is a photo just last month of um, when we celebrated the boys' adoption. And so that is James and Cade in the front, and then behind them are Justin's sisters who were also adopted. And so just this, I, we, like, we're going through the pictures of, from the party, and this one really stood out as just, what a reminder that God holds us and holds our children and holds our family members. And um, there was a lot of, like, what ifs about all four of these children. And um, God knew the whole time and held, held them and held us. And so um, that's kind of where we're at now, still, um, still grieving our son, loving our children, learning um, to trust God when things are really, really hard. And I just want to say, you know, something real quick about this, this picture and just what it means for, for us and this representation that the decisions we've made today are a result of the obedience of those who came before us. And so my, my parents, in being obedient to the Lord to adopt my sisters, ultimately, I, I believe, is what led to us being, you know, interested and invested in fostering. Aubrey's parents being obedient to uh, provide support and be caregivers for another foster family is what led to those decisions for us today. 
And so that as we look ahead to what is it that, that our children, what is it that other future generations are going to receive as a result of our obedience today? And so for us, that looked like adopting the boys. And so even in the midst of such incredible hardship, to know that the Lord was there the entire time, the Lord was there every step of the way, supporting us and carrying us through the love of our community, the love of our family and friends, was just incredible and overwhelming. And we are so thankful for that. Y'all, we're so grateful for you, Justin and Aubrey. One thing that stands out to me in your story is your willingness to say yes and to cast yourself upon God in the midst of a lot of uncertainty. Um, as people are listening to this, I'm sure you're hearing fostering is a big part of your story. And there may be some people in the room who are feeling like, yeah, I feel called to something like that or something in me resonates with that. And y'all probably know we have and we continue to serve fostering organizations, fostering families. We actually have some information in the lobby today following the service. You can talk with Justin and Aubrey, or you could talk with a representative from Care Portal, which is an agency that pairs needs uh, to bless people who are in the foster system. But if, if you're somebody who's in here now, what would y'all say to, I feel a call, or on the opposite side, if you're somebody who's saying, I do not feel called to that, uh, how can they still be involved and how can they still serve? Yeah, absolutely. And so I think that, like you said, for those two groups of people, the, the first group I want to speak to is those of you that would say, you know, this isn't a, a calling for me, whether that's, you know, I was talking to someone uh, or earlier after first service that was saying, you know, we're, we're grandparents now, so we're happy to be foster grandparents if our children want to foster, but that's just not where we're at in life. And that we totally understand that, totally get that. And so there are a multitude of agencies, a multitude of organizations in the Tulsa area uh, that you can be a part of, uh, that you can support in uh, so many different ways. So for us, over the years that we've been fostering, uh, we've been blessed to receive things like uh, frozen meals or, or gift cards, uh, you know, say there's a day that you receive a placement, all of a sudden we have four children in our home, uh, it, it's going to be tough to make dinner that night. Uh, it's a lot easier for us if we've got something in the freezer that we can throw in as we are you know, corralling uh, all of these little kids in our home, in our house. Uh, we've also received a number of, uh, you know, uh, a blessing bag from um, our agency that whenever a uh, child comes into our home, they're able to get some of those, you know, basic necessities and needs met. Uh, there's a number of organizations in the area that provide things like clothing or donations uh, to families that if you need additional um, you know, furniture, uh, uh, maybe a bed for an extra uh, sibling that's coming into your home that you, you know, weren't aware of or weren't prepared for. Uh, multitudes of, of organizations uh, do that. But in order to do that work, they do need support. They need donations, whether that's monetarily, whether that is, um, you know, giving of goods, of uh, clothing, whatever that may look like. So I would encourage you, if you uh, would like to be a part of that. Care Portal is a wonderful one that will be out in the lobby afterward. Um, there's a multitude of organizations like that. To, to the second group, that if after hearing our story, if at any point, um, you know, maybe recently you've heard you know, about foster care and the need in our state, the need in our community uh, for that type of support, if that is something that is on your, your heart in any way, shape, or form, um, Aubrey and I would love to talk with you more about what those next steps may look like. And I would encourage you to not, you know, find the excuse of, well, 
I, I feel like we're called to, to foster, but maybe let's just, uh, you know, give, give some money. No, like, let's, maybe we'll, you know, give, give some clothes. Like, if that's something that God is calling you to, like, that is such an incredible and important calling that I would encourage you to not, uh, you know, just set that aside or to not just push that away. Talk, talk with your spouse first, okay? De- definitely have that conversation, um, but per- pursue that and continue to um, finding more information, and Aubrey and I would love to be a part of that for you. Um, I would just say that it's, I hope you don't hear our story up here and hear that everything went great, uh, because fostering is very difficult. Fostering can be uh, with the children that you're working with because of their background, obviously, the trauma that they've experienced, uh, just being aware of that and understanding that as they're coming into your home. But for Aubrey and I, we had a lot of these questions as we were getting ready to foster, and a lot of them came from a mentality of fear. Well, what if this? What, what if all these things go wrong? What if we can't do it? What if we're not good enough? And as we went through our training, as we sought uh, the wisdom and counsel of uh, people in our lives, we began to move from that mentality of fear to a mentality of faith and say, it, it doesn't matter about, about that. What, what if God uses this for incredible purposes down the line? Instead of asking those questions of fear, we began to operate from a mentality of faith. So I'd also encourage you in that. But uh, like we said, Aubrey and I will be out in the lobby and would love to talk with you more, whether that is to become a foster family, whether that's to, to do something like Aubrey's family did, which was um, a, an alternate caregiver, someone who's able to just give a foster family a break for um, a little bit of time or for a weekend or something like that. That is just as pivotal because I think that we're seeing a lot um, of you know the, the failed retention rates for foster families, that they you know get into it and all of a sudden, this is not what I expected, and I am not receiving the support that I thought I would be. And so now it's, you know, they're one placement in, and it's a few months later, and they're like, I can't keep doing this. Um, the more that we can do to help um, increase that retention, I think, would also go a long way. Last question for you all. Obviously, foster and adoption is a huge part of your story, but zooming out a little bit and thinking about how the Lord has shepherded you through these last four years and beyond, is there anything that jumps out to you? as significant or something you've learned of the Lord? Yeah, I think that we um, kind of mentioned it throughout our story, but I think the biggest way in which the Lord shepherded us was our community. And so we, the week before, I believe it was the week before we left for Boston, we signed up for a new apprentice group. <laughs> cool timing. And I remember us think, like being like, we haven't even met these people. Like, do we like, do we respond in the group text? Like, what do we, what do we do? Um, and so we knew a couple of them, but not all of them. And so we were like, well, like we're a part of this group. And so we're going to, you know, see it through and essentially strangers. I mean, people we didn't know, obviously they, you know, go to our church, but were so supportive. They, they were praying over us. They were sending us gift cards. They were checking in, um, or texting Justin, making, you know, not texting me. Um, and it was really cool to see that happen with people we didn't even know, um, but also on the flip side, like the community that we had, like had here already, the roots that we had put into previous apprentice groups and friendships um, were just overwhelming. I mean, the story I told about us coming home, like that, that was people that are sitting in these pews. And so we often, um, uh, we were a couple months after losing Theo and we both felt like we just like can't even hold ourselves up but like we are still functioning and we're still parenting James and Kate, like how are we doing this? And so 
both of us were just reminded of in Exodus when Moses, they're in battle and his arms get so tired and he can't hold them up anymore, but everyone comes around to hold them up and they continue to win. And so that is how we felt. We were like, we don't even know how we're functioning or how we're even holding ourselves up, but like everyone is doing that for us. So much so that we, like people would ask if we need more food and we were like, we don't, if, unless you want to buy us a new freezer, like we don't even have any space. So like there was just so much support um, that even, like I said before, when we were questioning like God, he was still showing up through our community and through the people that were around us. That's awesome. Well, let me pray for y'all real fast. Uh, Father, we thank you for Justin and Aubrey. I thank you for the evident work of your grace in their life that they have parents who modeled for them faith and they were willing to step out in obedience and faith and open their home to fostering and then to adoption. And God, in their story, we wrestle with sadness and suffering uh, we don't want to make light of the death of Theo or say that everything became fine because you did provide a daughter or you did provide adoption. God, there are hard things that are reflected there that I know are reflected in stories throughout this room. And so, God, we, we simply confess that we need you. We need you to shepherd us. We need to cast ourselves upon your mercy. And there are things that we cannot make sense of, but I thank you for examples like the Reiners, where we can look and say, even though I don't know why this is happening or how, how it's working for good, I will continue to serve. And I thank you for the community you've placed in their life and in the life of this church. I pray that for those that need it, we would be able to take advantage of it. And God, in all of this, we thank you for your son, Jesus, who became acquainted with our suffering and grief so that we might have new life in him. It's in his name we pray. We're so grateful you listened to this week's sermon at Cornerstone. If you live in the Tulsa area, we'd love to invite you to be a part of our worship and community in person. You can find service times and more information at our website. But wherever you are, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May he turn his face towards you and give you peace.